This session is supported by Liquid Space. Liquid Space designed, tested and tuned the technology to help companies rethink the way real estate transactions happen, to inspire them to offer their employees greater choice and mobility, to enable happier workers and a healthier planet. Uh, today, we are going to start a discussion panel about independent co-working operators can develop singular strategies to keep developing their offerings in a consolidated market. Uh, I'm glad uh, to, to moderate this panel with uh, Claire uh, Carpenter from Melting Pot in Scotland, uh, Ricky Dorba from Liquid Space in San Francisco, Manu Thea from Coworking Space, and Stefan Yazzi um, from House of Bandits um, in Vienna. So, can you, Stefan, please, uh, well, tell us about yourself and your co space? Uh, absolutely. So my name is Stefan Yazi Herbert. Um, I'm half Austrian, half Californian. Um, I founded House of Bandits five years ago, um, and it is uh, a hybrid business model. So half of our business model is um, an advertisement agency, and half of it is co-working. So the, the core idea is that we um, hire a lot of people, or sorry, not hire, rent out to a lot of people um, who we work together with. So be this filmmakers, graphic designers, doesn't matter, um, in order to create bigger projects. Um, that was a business model that worked quite well for a while. The network effects were, were, were very beneficial. And when co-working wasn't enough to, um, because we, we had a very um, specific target audience, um, that worked for a while, but COVID has taken its toll on us and we recently have now passed on the co-working part um, of our business to a third party however we still keep our office and we still maintain our network um, so in many ways like the, the structures that were built are still existing so it's it's very interesting to find custom solutions in today's market okay thank you manuel go on go on please thank you very much for inviting me i'm manuel sia from I'm, I'm living in Madrid right now. I'm open. Uh, I found uh, working space as one of the first uh, co-working spaces in Spain, really small one, north of Madrid, in 2007, 2008. Then I, I found a platform, co-workingspain.es, it's a marketplace of, of, of co-working space in Spain. And in 2012, I started organizing the co-working Spain conference that is uh, normally in April, May, in different spaces, uh, cities for Spain. And uh, as a small space, um, I, I just keep it small. And what I'm uh, working in the co-working world is I decide to, what I want to do is the marketplace and, and develop also the conference. So I'm fo more focused on developing these projects more than the more than the middle space. Thank you, Manu. And Ricky, please, can you introduce yourself? Yeah, hi, I'm Ricky Dorman. I'm the Director of Strategic Partnerships at Liquid Space. We are a US-based company of a marketplace and a SaaS platform for enterprise clients. Um, we were created 11 years ago as an hourly and daily marketplace for meeting rooms, day offices, and co-working bookings. Um, since then, we've evolved to um, include monthly to yearly bookings. And then in the past two years, we've developed this SaaS platform for enterprise clients to allow their employees to work in a hybrid way while setting parameters um, around um, 
uh, around um, how much access they have to space. Um, we are currently fully launched in the US, Canada, Australia, and we've been slowly moving into the Euro European market. So um, we are excited to participate in co-working Europe and very, very, very sad that we weren't able to attend in Vienna this year, but hopefully next year. Thank you, Ricky. And last but not least, Claire, go ahead, please. Hi, everybody. My name is Claire Carpenter. I'm the founder and managing now the CEO of The Melting Pot, which is Scotland's Centre for Social Innovation. It's one of Europe's oldest co-working hubs. Uh, it's particularly for people who want to make social change. And over the last six years, we created um, a, a, pro, um, a variety of products, e-products and services uh, under the brand Coworking Accelerator. And that's specifically to help people create independent co-working hubs, but without the cost, the risk, the hassle or the stress of going alone from home, because I know how hard that was for us 15 years ago. So the Melting Pot and the Coworking Accelerator are my two hats. Thank you. Okay, let's go for the best question. Uh, well, right now, as you may know, big players, international operators, new provider profiles coming from other industries are entering the working playground. Do you see any advantages, but also uh, disadvantages um, for you being an active independent working operator? Claire. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, to be, to be frank, running your own co-working hub, co-working business is like running a and b compared to a hotel chain. Uh, and uh, you've got to maintain all of the senior costs, your HQ costs, as well as the uh, operational delivery, but you haven't got the volume of capacity and expertise that perhaps a bigger chain or bigger corporate might have. So I think on a plus, customers may prefer to buy from an independent, but on a negative, uh, big corporations who are suddenly going hybrid, they're not interested in looking at lots of independent operators. So we really need individuals, the employees of companies to, to want to identify where would they like to work um, and who would they prefer to which types of spaces would they like to work in? But big corporates are likely to be very lazy and just want some platforms that they can book a load of people into different workspaces. And as an operator, do I want to take that type of customer? I've got loads of ideas for like the, the benefits and the disadvantages, but the market's exploding. We don't know where it's going to land yet. I just encourage individuals to choose the space that is right for them, whatever that is. And hopefully that will be with independent operators see them as a bespoke um, or a boutique type experience. Thank you. And Ricky, um, I, do you see this growing trend in your platform? Yeah, I think like what Claire said that um, larger companies are looking to their employees to find out where they're looking to work and want to work. And a lot of these employees are going to small towns or beach towns or suburbs, and that cannot be fully addressed by these large chains. So I think independent operators are extremely important in the growth of what, what people are saying and what people are looking for at this time. So, and 
the industriouses and the WeWorks out there aren't going to be able to get into every every market that these that these employees want to work in. So we are very happy to work with independent operators. Part of what Liquid Space is trying to do is um, unite these independent operators um, so that these larger corporations can see that they can book at a hundred different operators, not only one big chain. Okay, and do you see uh, also uh, an increase uh, of other kind of places called the third places like uh, coffee shops, hotels? Uh, do you do you think that uh, they are competing uh, with uh, co-working independent co-working operators? We, we don't see as much usage of that type of inventory in our marketplace. Um, the co-working operators provide a level of service, a level of consistency that you cannot get at a co-working or at a coffee shop, especially that um, if you want a, a space that you know is going to be quiet, have good internet access, um, have um, quiet spaces like phone booths, you're not going to get that at a coffee shop. Um, and something about our platform is that um, all bookings are real time and on demand. So we look to um, our co-working partners to integrate with their in inventory, make sure that we're working with them directly. Hotels were, um, are not traditionally in the model of renting out sp space by the hour or by the day. So they're not as interested in these individual workers or small meetings. They're more interested in larger events than um, in this day-to-day -day type work. So we still think um, that Co-working operators, service office operators are the best inventory for this new boom of employees. Okay. Um, Manu, it's happening the same in, in Spain. Uh, do you see that in, in, in your platform? Before the, the becoming of the, the, the big players into the, our market, um, once I have become a, a really good for the, for the rest of the small operators, because the, the 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 communication in, in in press have been in has been really really uh, helping the the in industry here. Uh, the disadvantage is that that uh, said before you are you are uh, fighting like for against big chains, right? In in a platform like Gordon Spend um, uh, we from the beginning, we already uh, been running uh, the platform for 10 years, more than 10 years. In the beginning, it was really small operators that uh, wants to, to show their space. Uh, in 2015, 2017, they, started, they became the big operators that managed uh, one, one, one account, managed uh, a lot of locations, a few locations. And now, what we are uh, uh, check is there are few few operators that are uh, real estate operators that uh, manage uh, spaces for third parties, right? So they upload or they sh they manage uh, accounts in our platform for for different uh, for different companies, right? So this is the, the new user is coming for us, right? So so as I said before, like um, maybe it's a, a I think that in liquid space is normal, but for us it's, it's, it's quite new that, that they become this this new user of our platform, and it's um, and, and yes, and that's, and that's it. Okay, and Stefan, um, what what how do you see that in in Vienna? Uh, are there specific strategies and 
different approach of, well, do you see benefits or advantage, disadvantage with this um, competitive uh, growing market? I mean, <clears throat> Vienna's market is, is pretty small in general. We're always kind of mm -hmm. like seen as like the step uh, stepchild mm -hmm. of, of, of Germany. And so uh, when it comes to innovation, you'll usually see that in like the much, much smaller spaces, um, to be honest. And so if you take a look at, you know, some of the big players like Rigas, um, you know, they've moved in, they have quite a few offices here in Vienna, but we work never as bothered with Vienna so far. And we have like a couple of state run um, places. And most of the people that I know who are running smaller co-working spaces um, generally don't really consider that as, as direct competition because they're very different target audiences that they're going after. Um, you know, in these larger offices, you will find larger corporations that are looking for, you know, standardized, um, you know, high level of, of, of service, which is not to say that these smaller co-working spaces don't have a high, uh, high level of service, but they're much more niche. Um, they're, they're very, very, very geared towards a different look and feel. And I think that these two words, look and feel, are really important when it comes to most people who are looking for a space to work. I've noticed in Vienna, that you know, location is usually one of the most um, most important things, but how the place feels seems to be much more important to them than you know what software stack or how how practical things are. As long as it works, you know, it's like the same thing as a music festival. You know, like the the, the bathrooms and the and um, and you know the the, the ticketing just needs to work. Um, but that's not what they're judging their experience by. They're judging their experience by the quality of the music and by the lighting and by the, you know, um, in the same way in our spaces, it's often down to that feeling that you're getting across to people and the way that these larger players are coming into the market really isn't having too much effect on, on the smaller niche markets. That's much more COVID that's changing that, uh, that equation right now where we don't have the large cash resources or um, capital to be able to survive for long periods um, without sustained income. Okay, thank you. Claire, uh, well, uh, so it, have you experienced the same than, than Stefan in Scotland? Uh, so do you think uh, that can independent operators be as ambitious as anyone locally or internationally? Are you uh, constantly uh, adapt your strategy to, uh, to your positioning, uh, designing new strategies? Uh, well, because also demand is changing. Have you noticed this change in, in Melting Bot? So some, some thoughts. Small operators cannot scale unless they get resourced to do so. And the trouble with being a small business, and many, many operators who run just one space are effectively a small business with large overhead in terms of their premises or staff, is having the capacity to be able to invest to scale up and the time and effort to be able to scale up. And many small operators might be running, um, they're just in a particular location, like the Melting Pots in Edinburgh, we've worked with lots of uh, organisations trying to create spaces in small towns. Now, those operators, they don't want to scale up and create multiple hubs in multiple locations. That wasn't why they went into it. They went into it because they live in a town in rural Scotland and they want that service. They, they see a business opportunity that nobody else is doing and they want to provide that for their local community. So I think ambition is different in smaller operators for where they start and then how they might be able to grow that uh, is a different thing. And the bigger, the bigger players 
aren't going to go for the, the, the less profitable suburbs or towns. They're just going to leave them alone. So there will be opportunity for small, what have been smaller operators to start to scale for those people who are ambitious enough to want to go for it. Um, Town Square is one in the UK that's gone from a rural area in Wales and is trying to scale up in other sort of secondary towns. Um, but th yeah, they're going to be few and far between, I think, in reality. I think it's an interesting point that you're making, Claire, when it comes to like what success is defined as, because I think for for you know what we did like on a commercial level, it's very easy to argue that we failed, um, but that's not how it feels. You know, like the for us, it feels very much like we achieved all the goals that we were trying to do, which is you know to connect people and to create a, a network for ourselves that we could use. Like on a, on a commercially viable side, I could say, oh yeah, we were able to to create network effects with um, the people freelancers that we're working with, but on a much much more important, at least personally for me, um, community level that we were able to create so many different events um, and from very, very diverse backgrounds. And I think that measuring like things on a very international level, like when I see these statistics that are put out by, um, about co-working across the world, it's a very interesting thing to do because it's, it's assuming that everybody kind of has the same level of metrics that they're measuring things by. And I think if you go to these especially very independent and niche co-working spaces, um, of course, money is is one thing, but at some point, you know, they, you've especially in a very small town or a very small audience, you're going to be quickly saturated. You can't have that. It's like a you know, a mattress store. You can't have that many of them in a in a town. Um, and I think if you measure, if you take like, the, if you ask the question, did you achieve the goals that you were trying to achieve, would be like also a very interesting um, question to measure success. I think. Um Manu, um, did you, have you seen uh, that uh, Spanish uh, independent working operators are carrying, carrying out uh, specific strategies to stand by from and, and to face uh, the I'm, I'm, big operators? I think with what, what Claire said, I mean, maybe it's the, the what uh, small operators want to do, what these managers want to do. Uh, if, if I'm in the ethical guy's mind, I want to, to fight with the game with the big players. I'm going to do everything to, to be a big player. And they did. So this their strategy, right? To be they, they become a big player. So but maybe there's a lot of players that they want to be a big player. They just want to keep us as simple. So this this one one thing is okay, I just want to keep it simple. Like me in my space, my small space, I want to keep it simple. I don't want to to to, to fight anyone else. But there's a lot of people that are in the center and in the downtowns, Madrid, Barcelona, Malaga, Sevilla, Valencia, that in, well, more, more Madrid, Barcelona, they have to fight for the, for, for the, with the, against the big players. So, and there's a lot of people that start uh, uh, changing the strategies. Maybe a script in Barcelona, they are independent, but they, they, they grow to three, three places, right? And, and, and they change a lot, right? But there's a lot of of persons they are not going to change because they are just in their mind. They want to, to keep the, the small business and run the small business and that's it, right? So in that, in, in that time, there's going to be players that is coming uh, uh, with a lot of money, with a lot of marketing and, and, and getting all the market, right? So here in Spain, uh, maybe it's uh, 20, 20, 20, 20, 
chains that maybe have the 60% of the market. So there's a lot of uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe 800 players that have the other 40%, right? So these guys are coming like and, and getting all the market. Okay, thank you. Um, you um, are you seeing uh, different uh, specific strategies from the, uh, the operators that are in, in your platform? Do you have some some examples or uh, what they do? Yeah, we um, we similarly we're seeing that um, as those cu the customers or the employees are allowed to choose where they're working, they're going into these smaller markets, and oftentimes we're finding that the co-working spaces that they're going to or the towns they're going to, the co-working spaces are completely full, um, which means that there is definitely more room for other co-working spaces or larger co-working spaces or expansion in these markets. So we're going to small mountain towns in the US or a small mountain town in Sweden and they're saying we're completely to capacity. We, we don't have any more inventory for um, workers and in this space. Um, what we are trying to promote with these smaller um, partners is there's other potential revenue streams outside of co-working desks mm -hmm. and memberships. Um, and that is day passes and meeting rooms. And um, that is what employees are asking for. They, they want to have on-demand space as they need it. And looking to meeting rooms as a, a potential revenue stream is another way a co-working space can expand even if they're at capacity. And we also are seeing that similar trend of these smaller chains that are um, popping up in like a regional chain, three or four different locations in a specific area or a specific type of area. There is a chain called 25N in the US that has, um, I think, five or six locations all in the suburbs of um, larger cities. So that was their strategy to go into suburban markets. And then they replicated that in, as their model. Okay. Ricky, yes. do you like that? I think that's super interesting. Like the insights that you have mm -hmm. when it comes to larger trends of, of like on a societal level. Um, do you see any just like are you able to discern when it comes to like I, I, I find it very also interesting to to interact with people who I don't have that much to do with, like burst my own filter bubble. I come from a great, very creative scene. Um, lots of people who barely have any money and by necessity, you know, they kind of go flock to these smaller spaces that feel more homey in a lot of ways. And I feel like they get a better service out of it anyways. But um, have you noticed like when, when it comes to these larger corporates that have to find lots of placement for their employees, um, is there like a trend of people flocking towards larger co-working spaces that are more corporate in nature or towards like smaller, like, you know, more independent or is the data very, very unclear? Still very early stages um, and especially for these enterprises um, that we've been working with over the past six months, there's been a lot of starts and stops for their employees. Um, they've said, yeah, all the employees will be back by October. And as you, you probably are seeing within your co-working spaces, no, employees aren't coming back till January and then we don't know when they're coming back. Um, but with the, the very small amount of data we've been receiving, um, we've been working with Spotify and they've let their employees be dispersed anywhere in the world. And a lot of them have been going to beach towns or mountain towns or places that they really have always wanted to work in. And now that their employer is allowing them to work remotely, 
Um, they want to have a place where they can interact with others um, because they're no longer going into their corporate office. So they want the community of a co-working space, but want to have that local um, feel because they're in these smaller towns, but also um, they, they don't have access to a, a larger player in a lot of these smaller towns. So I think that as long as they feel like they can go to a space and be productive, get their work done um, is what they're looking for. Um, but we don't, we don't know if that that will that trend will continue or it's going to be become too complicated and their employer is going to pull them all back to like a, a central headquarter but now it also doesn't seem sustainable you know i guess i think like staying at these places also might be expensive so it might be like more of like a workation than like a more more permanent um solution yeah it it, it might be so um we're seeing um some of some of our clients specifically spotify has have let their employees go anywhere um, other um, employers are looking to create small mini hubs in a lot in, in more markets than they had had previously. So we don't know yet. We That's really interesting. <laughs> when, Sorry, Vanessa, uh, for jumping in. I just no, was very no, no, no. Please, please be free all time. So all, all, all of you. So if you want to say something, so be free. No, but this is a very interesting point because. Uh, well, uh, companies, uh, corporation are, are taking, are working in, in the happenstock model. No, so that means that they uh, they have uh, small offices uh, around where they, the, the employers live. So and and this uh, this uh, it's creating uh, new co-working spaces in in suburbs and rural rural areas. And plans. So, do you think so? As as a as a working consultant, so are you uh, receiving um, uh, new projects uh, in more uh, rural rural areas, suburbs? So, before the trend, it was all working spaces uh, were located in center towns, and right now uh, it's the opposite because a lot of people. I can work uh, remote and, and they want to stay from cities actually. So I've, I've, got, a, I've got a few thoughts as usual. Um, one, although many people like the idea of running away to the countryside, to a mountain town or the beach, to do so um, takes time and is expensive and might mean uprooting from your community of friends, your, your family. So although the pandemic so far has created a first flush of people moving yeah. to other locations, we've seen that all across the world. Um, I think the ramifications are still gonna take time to, to play out. Uh, people don't just up sticks and leave, uh, their, you know, take their children out of school and, and stuff. And, and we keep talking here about like the likes of Spotify, these big organizations, the vast majority of people that I know in my friendship and, and professional network, they do not work in great big corporations. They work in smaller, smaller businesses and smaller organizations, and they're happy to be holding on to their job uh, during, this, during this rough ride. So again, although most people seem to be working from home a lot more and enjoying the choice now. We're at the stage of the pandemic where people have a choice to work from home, not being told they have to work from home, although that is still, in Scotland at least, that's still ambiguous. We've still got guidance to work from home. Um, these things have not yet played out. And in terms of the market opportunity, 
if you're a small provider or you're potentially small, relatively small hub in a, in a suburb or a small town, when is it the right time to open up a facility to a market that might not yet be ready to come out of their homes? It takes ages to open up a new co-working hub. Anybody who's done it will know it doesn't happen overnight. And again, if you're a small, if you're an independent uh, person, business owner trying to create a new hub, you've got one shot at money in your bank to try and get that business open and get customers in the door. If you mistime that in this market that we don't know what's going on, uh, then you've wasted your opportunity to, to create that uh, service for people. So uh, my, I'm really sad to have seen lots of the smaller spaces that we were working with pre-pandemic who were trying to get open uh, in order to be at the vanguard of smaller rural hubs that could service a future more remote employee opportunity, they haven't survived the last 18 months of the pandemic. They, they might not have got open before the pandemic, they were in that exploration stage, or if they did get open, they haven't been able to ride out the wave because they've run out of resource. So who are the people and the organisations that are in a position to be able to take the market opportunity and take a risk on that market opportunity coming out in suburbs and smaller towns. It's complex. I think it's also true that like, at least from my observations here in Vienna, <clears throat> that of the smaller hubs, like we just had the student hotel open, which is, you know, this kind of co-working, co-living hybrid as well. And like they just opened, I think, two weeks before COVID hit. So like they were extremely hard hit, but they're still able to survive because they have, you know, an international um, um, business, you know, behind them that is able to either be able to get a loan, you know, like have access, basically just access to capital, no matter what that is, whether that's cash reserves, whether that's, you know, um, bank loans from the government um, or, or whatever, but these like access to capital is very, very low. And like the risk that people are able to take as independence is also very low. And the ones who have been able to survive are usually those who don't rely on co-working solely who are able to like and it was also in our case like you know it's been one and a half years that we have been um, running this despite covid despite um, taking a loss um, during this time and that's because we you know we're, we're believing that we we're going to be able to make it past this and be able to supplement our our um, business model with our advertisement agency but long term it just wasn't tenable at some point you have to kind of give up you know or like you know to realize that that's not going to turn around anytime soon you know we just went into our next lockdown here in Austria um, for those who don't know so like you know it, it becomes difficult when things are finally going good then you know that that uncertainty is not something that's independence weather well and so like you know we have the impact hub for example and they're doing quite well because they don't only rely on co-workings and i think all of the very very small places um the only like saving grace is that a lot of them close down because it is private land a lot of times like a lot of these very small ones like they own the building they're not necessarily renting and it might be like a family heirloom or so and they're able to just shut down temporarily and open up again in sometime in the future but i think when it comes to accessibility like how much access um people would be able to have via a platform like liquid space it's still not there like they might they will only be able to open up again once they see market opportunity and the um and actually see the market doing well not just restrictions um loosening but also seeing a market drive and that's yeah like you know the first the first ones who are going to be opening up again or being very aggressive in that are the ones who have the cash reserves to put into marketing who are going to be able to do renovations during this time and have more opportunity when they open up again and Manu, um... 
are you are you seeing new openings uh, of of independent co-working spaces uh, in, in Spain, uh, both in in center but also in countryside? Or what is the the average? Let's say that the opening of, of new uh, new spaces from the small space uh, small operators are not that uh, knowledge for all for all of us. I mean, it's it's difficult. They all the opens of the small uh, came to our 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 ears, right? Uh, we see a lot of, uh, of new openings of, of the of the chains of the Rodotico, Satico, um, these guys. And they are opening right now, there are another operators in second cities like Valencia. They are new openings over there, uh, quite big and new, 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 new players, but not big, not small players. I mean, they're coming into the market new players with uh, a group in the background, so they are going to have money to to grow up. Um, new new openings of like Monday in Malaga, it's a um, second city. Um, of course, there's a new opening, new opens from the small operators, but they are no that they have not that sound in press or in in, in the in the media, right? But they, of course, they are opening new ones. And Stefan, uh, are you thinking in expanding in your business? Because uh, the next question is how to fund the growth or stand alone. So. <laughs> Um, well, we, we, we just we just handed over the co-working <laughs> contract, so uh, I guess not, but um, I, I, I don't know, maybe I can answer that question a different way. Um, we were actually having plans um, during this time to expand our studio, you know, like we, so mm -hmm. we focus on creatives and more specifically like film production creatives. I mean, not always, but that's kind of the focus a little bit. And so we have two studios in house um, that we, that we rent out. And so in like one of our plans was to, um, generate quite a bit of investment in order to put into, um, a permanent live streaming setup, because this is something that a lot of companies need. And it's also something that can be funded by our own advertisement agency. So like, you know, by being able to sell content via webinars or whatever, um, we would have, um, are currently in the process of generating funds in order to invest into the space. Now it's a little bit more difficult because it's not necessarily our space right now. So we have to also like figure out with the new people who are taking over, um, what, what that relationship is going to look like, but we have typically always used um, our other business model in order to drive growth. So like we've always found ways to be like, okay, well, what do we need right now? Okay, we need speakers for like, because we want to party more Then let's like, you know, make sure that we do some shoot where we require speakers and then throw that into the props list and then like, you know, build that halfway on. So we've either relied on government, um, on government stimulus. So like, you know, um, what's the English word for federal? Um, government grants for specific things. Like there was a shared facilities government grant that we accepted. Um, there was, uh, you know, different tax deferrals that, that, that happened during uh, COVID that was able to drive um, at least a certain amount of, of growth when it came to changing our services to be fixed more on, on remote. Like we needed to install um, VPNs for everybody because like a large portion of the services that we offer are IT. In, in nature. So we have like a shared server that everybody can edit on, for example, and we needed to provide remote access to people during COVID. So we've always tried to use the speciality of our services in order to drive any kind of growth. Um, but when it comes to investing into infrastructure, 
there's not really an incentive to do so for us as a smaller um, as a smaller space, and there's no necessity either. I think it's more about the depth of of our um, services rather than the breadth. Okay, great. So uh, we are running out of time, but uh, we are going to answer quickly. Well, if you uh, if any of you have uh, some thoughts on that topic, and then we will have the last question. Okay, from uh, one participant. So, any any thought about uh, what Stepan said? You want to add something to that question? Well, I'm, I'm just yes, going to say yeah. that we have grown during COVID. We see the opportunity for co-working. Like the last 18 months has been a massive advert for the co-working industry. And not just about flexi space, but people saying that actually what they want is community. They can go to a coffee shop or they can work from home. They now have choice, which they didn't have. So what's going to entice them into one flexi space as opposed to another, it's going to be the type of relationships and the feeling, come back to your point, Stefan, you know, the feeling that they get when they go into a space um, and the services that they get there are what's going to attract them. And so we grew our co-working operations during this last year and people love our new space in Edinburgh and you're welcome anytime. Welcome anytime. When you can travel. Awesome. Right. No. Congratulations. <laughs> okay. That's a really... Oh, I was going to say, I think that's a really good point, Claire. I've been working at Liquid Space for seven years, and I have access to anywhere in our network of spaces. I typically go to the same space because I feel comfortable there. I know where the things that I need are, and I just want to work and get down to business. So I don't really ne necessarily need a whole network of space. I just need the right space for me to work. And once you find that space, you're going to continue to go back. That's a very important customer journey experience for us operators to remember because it's how to get you in the door and give you a good time the first time so that you come back again and again and again because it's like a restaurant. When you find a good restaurant, you don't actually go and try too many others. So mm -hmm. we've got to get in there fast and get the people first time around. That's clear, yeah. Manu, you want to say something? Blind. <laughs> and no, thanks for the, for the invitation. And um, yes, as as uh, Ricky said, some, there's a lot of time that you can offer uh, uh, to a company, to a big company, a lot of spaces. But finally, the, the the individuals are going to use the same spaces any time, right? Every time I'm I'm comfortable in this place, so I'm going to keep going to the same place, right? If if so that, that's going to be definitely what it happens, it's going to happen, right? And like big companies are going to offer EBIT space for the employees, but each employee is going to repeat the space, I think, most of the time, right? I agree. Okay, so let's, have, let's go for the last uh, question. Uh, the question is made by Christoph Fall. Um, I'm well, going to read it. I think an interesting question is how can small operators develop economies of scale and network effects equal to big brands by working together and why, and why should they do it? Is it access to data, technology, shared resources, funding, something else? Interesting question. 
do you need to? I think uh, like this this idea of like beating brands is is maybe the 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 wrong framing of the question. I think like when it comes to economies of scale, um, independent co-working spaces may not like we kind of already addressed this a little bit earlier in the beginning that that may not be the the, the definition of success. But if it is, um, I think, I mean. I, I don't know that much about liquid space, but this seems to be a very, very, um, a very good solution to be able to connect different spaces in order to have those kinds of network effects. Because I think that for many, like, you know, as, as Claire said before, for the small person who lives, who is doing a rural co-working space, the, the, the goal is not to start 200 rural co-working spaces, maybe, but, but rarely, I think is this the case. But if you want to benefit from the network effects that, that you know, economies of scale have, it would be more about finding what these kinds of things, these kind of spaces have in common what these kinds of customers have in common, what these kind of operators have in common, and then find the lowest common, common denominator um, and then connect those people together in order to benefit from, from each other. And I think that goal of, of trying to set um, a, a base level of connection is um, stronger, you know, empathy is for me stronger than competition than, than, than having, setting a goal to beat a brand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Stefan. Yeah, anyone else want to say something? To... Yeah, I think that, um, I think creating that network, whether it is through an aggregator like Liquid Space or creating a network with other independent operators, um, there's a network in the US called Lexi, League of Extraordinary Coworking, where they've um, created this mini network within of these operators that they've deemed as extraordinary co-working spaces. And they provide reciprocal benefits to their members that if they travel to any of these other locations, they get access to the other member spaces. Um, and what we've seen is that people don't often travel and use those spaces, but they like that idea that if they are traveling to another area that they have this broader network. So, um, I think that's a, an excellent selling point, even if people don't ultimately use it, just saying I have, you have access to a space in Vienna and Edinburgh and um, Malaga, Spain, and just saying I have a connection to a sp another space in another location. And then um, as, a, as Liquid Space, we are trying to create this broader network um, and connect these enterprises across hundreds and thousands of co-working spaces. Okay. I think that um, now that more and more spaces are doing uh, passes, desk for a day type passes, if I want to go to Vienna or Berlin or London, I'll just buy one of those as a customer. I don't need to be part, and Google allows me to search or you know, any platform will allow me to search for different spaces to go to. I think where there's a market opportunity for co-working hubs as businesses to save costs for them is to share Maybe some of the, now that we've got, we're moving things online to, rather than in person, but some of the learning events that we may put on for our members that could be delivered digitally and shared amongst other co-working hubs. So perhaps you have a network of 20 hubs that uh, between them put on one event a month and that each, you know, each place's members could go to those events that would save me time and money in my business and allow my team to only have to put on one event for their client for our client base and not many. 
um, that we've had people for years say, oh, you know, can you be part of a network and your members could come and use my space? And I'm like, but they're not going to. They're just, you know, 99% of the time, they're not going to any other space. So that's not the, that's not the driver for me as a hub owner. So I think it's actually not about what is going to benefit members very much, but what it would benefit hub owners and how could we reduce our costs as independent spaces and aggregate some of those costs? Do we share a market, uh, a marketing expert across a dozen spaces, for instance, who markets on behalf of all of us rather than one of us? You know, there's ways like that. That would interest me. If anybody wants to do that, come talk. Dope input, Claire. I love that answer. <laughs> I think generally, like on a systemic level, you just have to 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 ask yourselves, like with network effects, it's always about economies of um, when it's with economies of scale, it's always about reaching a certain level of homogeneity. You know, you need to have a homogenous um, platform, a homogenous whatever member base, um, and by per definition, independent co-working spaces are independent. You know, and whether they are boutique or diverse, you know, they tend to pride themselves in these these kinds of things. So I think questioning like yourself as in a, in a world that is defined by diversity, um, what should we agree upon to be homogenous? Is that, you know, the booking portal? Is that the pricing model? Um, I think that's, you know, Claire's idea too. Then also we take a look at what is, um, what kind of costs can be saved on a, on a um, co-working owner perspective is super interesting. Um, this, it's, it's, it's interesting, right? Like the, this also maybe a lot of users of open spaces, they don't want to be part of any community. They just want to use it, right? And, and a lot of, and there's a lot of workers that come from the company. They just want to use the space. They want to be part of the community. They have the own community that is the company, right? Um, maybe we are, invest, we are investing or we are developing platforms uh, to to get get these users right okay i'm going to space just for one day or for three days or day pass or meeting room but that's the end it's like using a, a hotel right I'm, I'm going to use that hotel but i'm not going to be part of a community a hotel um just want to use it so and and there's a lot of platforms that we are developing that the the, the just a day pass uh, a, a person that won't just want to visit a space for one day or five days or one month and and that's the end I'm, I'm going to my home and with my own community so there's a lot of users of co-working spaces that didn't want to part, be part of any community but this is the business like hey i want to i we want you to use as a space as as as, as to get some revenue so it's an interesting point that that um yeah, so there's not not a lot of not many person wants to be part of a community, but a lot of person want to use for working spaces. Right. Okay. So thank you, um, all of you, and it's been a very insightful conversation. I really enjoy it. Um, I'm just I'm gonna ask you to to all of you that uh, that please uh, say in one word your takeaway of this uh, discussion. Uh, having in mind that the goal was to figure out how independent operators um, have to are addressing uh, matura ma the maturation of the market in a word.
That's, that's really difficult, Vanessa. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, to me, to me, I'm gonna be the first one and uh, to add value, provide value to the community, uh, have a strong value proposition. Yeah, I'd say stay niche. It's okay. Stay small, stay niche. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think, think Claire's right as well. Um, stay um, niche or stay in um, suburban markets. Some, some smaller markets are need space and that um, large operators aren't going to go there. And we need space. People, people are looking for space. But promote your space through uh, platforms. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, okay, the word would be promotion or promote. Stefan, please. We don't hear you? You yes. have, okay, yes. Okay. <laughs> my phone. Um, I would say depth, not breadth. Well, <laughs> Okay, thank you so much. This session is supported by Liquid Space. Liquid Space designed, tested, and tuned the technology to help companies rethink the way real estate transactions happen, to inspire them to offer their employees greater choice and mobility, to enable happier workers and a healthier planet.